Welcome to this week's podcast from Church on the Rock. We hope that it will challenge and inspire you to be a more passionate follower of Jesus. For more information about Church on the Rock, visit us at cotrcalera.com. Listen, I want to, before we kind of get in, we, we started a, a new series last week called um, An Undercover Boss. Anybody seen that show, Undercover Boss? You know, it's the show where uh, the, the, um, the guy who owns the business, he, uh, they kind of, you know, you know, cause him to dress up and do makeup and all that kind of stuff. So he goes undercover and he acts like he's a newly hired person at the business and all this kind of stuff. So um, we've kind of been doing a new series on that, just talking about uh, what, what we find is, you know, literally we all have an undercover boss, Right. Um, it's his name is Jesus or the Father or God or Yahweh. Okay, he is our undercover boss. The Bible says he's everywhere. He he knows all things. He's all the he's there all the time watching what we do. Okay, God is not surprised by any of this kind of stuff. He's always aware of what's going on. And last week we were talking about. Um, so we've been talking about occupations that you find in Scripture that that kind of you know teach us spiritual things. So last week we were talking about being a farmer, okay, that we're all farmers because the Bible says that you will reap what you sow. So we're all sowing something and what we sow will determine what we reap. If we are sowing in unrighteousness, why would we ever expect to reach, reap a righteous reward? So it would be just as silly as planting apple seeds, hoping that you grow oranges, okay? Nobody does that in the natural, okay? And in the, in the spiritual Sometimes we have the same thing. We want to sow in unrighteousness. We want to do unrighteous things. And then when we go on further down the road and God's not blessing us and we're dealing with all kinds of heartache and difficulty, we're like, God, where are you? Why is my life so miserable? And God's like, but you're sowing all the wrong stuff. Why are you expecting to reap all the good stuff? All right. So we all sow. We just don't all reap the same thing. And so today we're going to be looking at a different occupation. But before we get there, I want to tell you a story about two little boys. Two boys, two young boys between the age of 8 and 10. I mean, you know, that's the mischievous age. Between 8, they're mischievous, all right? Um, and so there's two little boys. They were extremely mischievous young boys, always getting themselves into trouble. Uh, they were always having issues. The parents knew it. They saw it. They were having to deal with their problems all the time. And if there was ever an issue that occurred you know, uh, in the house or in her school, then they're, they're, the parents thought, you know, surely it had to be my kids. They were this bad. So the mother had heard about this pastor who was in town who was very successful in disciplining young boys, okay, and getting them to straighten up and become, and, you know, live the right way, all this kind of stuff. And so the parents went and met with the pastor, and the pastor agreed to meet with the kids. Uh, but what he asked was, is like, hey, I'll talk to the boys, and I'll help you out, but I want to meet with them individually. I want to meet with them one at a time, okay? So the, the mom uh, uh, agreed, and early one morning, she brought the 8-year-old over to the pastor and dropped him off in the morning, and later in the afternoon, she's going to bring the 10-year-old. And the 8-year-old walks into the pastor's office, and the pastor there is sitting at his desk. He's kind of, you know, kind of a, a burly guy, a big guy, you know, this, with this big booming voice. And, you know, he, you know, waiting for the kid to come in. You know, he's got this serious look on his face, like, I want you to know, you know, that, hey, this ain't playtime, little boy. We're going to straighten up, you know, this kind of stuff, right? Okay, that's what you got to do. 
right? And so the pastor's sitting there. The first thing he says to the boy as they're sitting there, he says, boy, where is God? Where is God? The boy's mouth dropped open, right? But he made no response, sitting there with his mouth open and his eyes wide. And the pastor looked at him because the boy wouldn't answer. He says, boy, where is God? And the boy sat there even more, just astounded that the pastor was even asking this question. But he didn't know what to say with his mouth open. Finally, the pastor stood up and he banged his fist on the, on the thing. He says, where is God? The little boy jumped out of his seat. He bolted out the door. He ran all the way home. He ran through the house. He went and shut himself in the closet and, and finally, when his older brother heard him come in, he went looking for him. And when he found the younger brother in, in the closet, the boy was, was grasping. He says, what happened? And the younger boy said, we're in big trouble this time. Dude, God is missing, and they think we're responsible. Kids, right? Kids, Amen. So anyways, um, we are, we've been talking about undercover boss occupation last week. Again, like I was saying, we were talking about a farmer. This, year, this week, I, I want to talk to you about um, a fisherman. All right, a fisherman. How many of you in here love to fish? Love to fish. Oh, there's a few of you. All right. What's the matter with the rest of you terrible people? <laughs> Just kidding. Um, one of, I think one of, my, one of my greatest regrets in life up to this point is I haven't passed down my love for fishing to my, my boys. I feel like that I'm a failure, you know, because they don't love fishing the way that I love fishing. And uh, I think that it's, you know, a deeply saddening. But how many of you have some incredible fishing stories, right? You got some incredible fishing stories? Yeah, I got some incredible fishing stories. Look, hey, I haven't told you. Remember I told you... Um, um, you know, two weeks ago, I had the chance to go uh, to go fishing, and uh, we were there fishing um, on the pier down in Florida. And um, this, uh, I was fishing with a McDonald. We look. Here's the thing. I, this is no lie. I'm not even kidding. I know that you're not going to believe me, but I'm not a pastor up here telling lies. Okay? There's this clear plastic thing that's kind of looks like a football, and it's you put water in it about halfway, and then you put like a swivel on the end and run some leader line about like this long right here. And down on the end, you put a treble hook, and then you run a piece of McDonald's straw about this big, okay? Yes, I said that right. It's a McDonald's straw, okay? About that big, and, you, and it sits over the top of that treble hook, and you pull this thing across the top of the water, and it splashes, and where it splashes, it pulls the straw in, all right? And what this does for certain fish, it actually creates, like, noise. It creates like, kind of like a monkey see, monkey do effect where um, the fish see this noise, and this little thing scooting across the top of the water. They think it's other fish hitting the this little minnow, and they're like, hey, 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 they're having fun. I don't want to go have fun too. And, and so then they, they come up and they start hitting it. Well, certain times of the year, you can go down there, and I mean, it's like every cast, they're like jumping out of the water. It's like the most incredible thing you've ever seen. I promise I've taken people out on a pier that have never even fished before, and they go out there, and you have the most amazing time, right? Because, you know, when you're catching, it's fun. Like most of you in here, you like catching, you just don't like fishing, all right? What's wrong with you? <clears throat> um, but so we were fishing this past week. I was using that exact same thing. And I, look, I, I kid you not, this three foot, the, uh, I mean, I want to say something like this, probably three foot king mackerel 
comes flying about five feet out of the water after this thing. Literally, it jumps out of the water like a torpedo. Out of the water, like I hook it, I pull it all the way up to the pier, and it breaks me off at the pier. So I have no, I have no pictures to show. But I do have a brother and a dad who were there who witnessed it, so I promise I'm not lying to you. All right? But you know, it's, my fish was this big. It was this big, I promise. It was, it was this big. All right? And it was somewhere. <laughs> right? Anyways, so we all have, fishing is kind of one of those things. And the, the great thing about fishing is that there's always, you, you know, you have, you know, amateur hour. You got people that don't know what they're doing or, you know. And then you, when you mix, like, sometimes you mix, like, maybe alcohol, which you shouldn't be drinking anyways, but you mix alcohol involved in fishing and boating. Things can get really interesting, right? Because uh, people don't know what they're doing. So I got a, I got a video I want to show you real quick. And um, I hope, hopefully you enjoy this. Ella es el único que no va a hacer la brasileña. Luego chupa. Vamos, no, tío, 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 tío. Una cerveza voy a tomar. Una cerveza voy a tomar. Y así olvidarme. Más arriba, más arriba. Dale, dale. Luego chupa, va. Vamos, mo. Qué grande. Che, no, pues le vamos a hacer mal, boludo. Che, Ricardito. Ricardo, dos, este, boludo. Mira, mucho. Ni Get the net, Hugo! Get the net! It's a catfish! Holy smokes! Oh <laughs> you gotta be kidding me, man! Calm him a little bit, though, that's all. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Look out, John! Get out of way! The alligator's coming. Oh, pull it out. Oh, we got him.
this is the big one. See it? See it? And it's going back into the water. You got it? Yeah. Did you catch a whale? Help me! Help me! So, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, stupid little videos like that all over Facebook, you know, fishing fails and stuff like that. There's always interesting things that happen, um, you know, fun stuff that happens like that. But we're going to be looking at this, uh, this idea of, of a fisherman. We find this a lot actually in scripture and, and talking about this. And, uh, and, and when you look at it from a biblical perspective, you know, um, we see, and obviously I know that, you know, if you have probably just a little bit of knowledge about Scripture and stuff like that, then you'll, you'll know that, you know, some of the disciples were fishermen and how that relates. But as a matter of fact, when you look in Scripture, fishermen, um, you know, they, they kind of formed a distinct class. Uh, they, it was a, um, it was kind of, there was, it was a tremendous amount of work that, that kind of, that they had to deal with as it relates to, you know, inclement weather or, or problems. Uh, for the most part, these people were kind of crude in manner. They were rough in speech. Sometimes even their treatment of others was that way. Um, the Bible tells us that James and John were fishermen before they became tempered by Jesus' influence. Um, you know, their nicknames before they became disciples, was they were called sons of thunder. Um, you know, basically that really kind of gave us an illustration of the kind of attitude and stuff that they had. The fishermen were exposed to all kinds of weather that made them kind of hardy and fearless. They were accustomed to, to bear with patience many trying circumstances. They often, you know, toiled for hours without success and, you know, were always even willing to try one more time, right? Um, and so, you know, they, you know, fishermen back in Jesus' day, they kind of weren't necessarily like a lot of the fishermen that we see today. Um, if anything, it probably... You know, some of the, the, the problems and the, um, and the stresses and the difficulty they felt with, they, they kind of faced, probably would, you know, uh, would remind us more of, say, uh, king crab fishermen. You ever seen the, the reality TV show, The Deadliest Catch, right? You watch those guys out at sea and all the things that they had to do with, uh, deal with and the, the problems that they, they faced. That was probably a great thing. But, but being a fisherman and fishing, was a, it was a way of life. It wasn't a hobby. You know, for me, it's a hobby. For most people, fishing is a hobby. But for them, it was, it was a way of life. And there are some people out there, of course, that, you know, it, they do it by trade. Um, you know, but for, for a lot of these disciples, we find that it was a way of life for them. We know that Peter, Andrew, James, and John, all, all of those guys were fishermen by trade. All of these four and one of the things that is interesting about these four guys, literally a quarter of the disciples that Jesus had called, the 12 disciples, were, were fishermen by trade. Three of them were the three guys that were the closest to Jesus. Peter, James, and John, we know that, you know, they had kind of, in a way, they had special privileges in the sense that they went and did things with Jesus that the other nine disciples didn't. And those three guys, they were fishermen by trade before God called them. And 
we see this happening in, in, in their life. We see Jesus dealing with this and, and calling fishermen. All right? And I want you to, we're going to read a couple passages of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus was talking to the disciples and he was talking to these fishermen. All right? And so in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, uh, two other brothers, James and, his, and um, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, uh, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending the nets. And he called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Um, and so... In Luke chapter 5, we read another story here. It says, on, the, on one occasion, while the, ground was press, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a, a, a little from the land, and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. All right. This story, I, I can't tell you, you know, there's another passage, you know, where the Bible says that they all night trying to catch fish, and Jesus is like, hey, cast your nets on the other side. And they're like, what? Well, if you've ever been in a boat and used a cast net, like throwing the net over here versus throwing the net like five feet over here generally doesn't make that right. But they did it anyways. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I'm fishing on this. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cast my line on the other side of the boat. <clears throat> generally, it never works, though. So I don't know what's up with that. But, <clears throat> um, but you see here this... This, this story that Jesus, um, or, of Jesus, when he tells them to go out and to fish one more time, they throw their nets out. So they're, they're not fishing with lines, they're fishing with nets. It kind of reminds me of another YouTube video I saw that I want to share with you this morning. Huh? It's not playing. All right. Psych. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so what we see here is we see that the disciples there, um, you know, they had to have been listening to the words of Jesus, right? They had to have been listening to Jesus when he was, um, when he was teaching on the side. Of, and, and, you know, maybe they are like, ah, you know what, I've heard these religious leaders before. I've heard this stuff before. This doesn't really matter, all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, after all this happens, Jesus takes them out, and they catch so many fish. Now, this is a big deal for them, because it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, something, it was a hobby or something fun to go do, but it was an opportunity to make money. It was an opportunity to provide for their family. 
So this was a significant thing that Jesus had done in their life, so much so that you know it, it, it woke them up. It woke them up to what Jesus was saying. And, and, and at that particular moment, at that particular time, you know, they dropped everything that they had. They left their trade. They left all their ambitions. They left all their experience, all their occupation. All of that stuff, that incredible catch that they had, they left it all behind so that they could go and follow Jesus. All right? And we see this happening in, in, in the story that these guys were fishermen. Jesus is calling them to be a disciple. And he says, hey, you're going to follow me, and I'm going to make you a fishers of men. Fisher of men. All right? And so here we have it, this idea that, listen, that in the beginning, when God told somebody, come follow me, he said, hey, come follow me, all right, that the purpose of following Jesus was that we would become fishermen, that we would become fishers of men, that we would you know, take up our old way of living and understand the purpose that God has for us right now in this life of living for Jesus, that we would become a fisher of men. And Jesus uses this illustration here to call the disciples and to change their life. And so if we're going to be disciples, if we have, you know, accepted the call of God to follow after Jesus, understand that the call is still the same, that Jesus says, come follow me. Okay? And most of us in here, I would think that all of us in here have raised our hand and said, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And the second commandment behind that is, come, follow me, and I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You see, God wants you to be a fisher of men. You need to understand God's desire for you is that you become a fisher of men. Even the last thing that Jesus ever said before he ascended into heaven, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, okay? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and then, okay? So God's, Jesus' plan and desire for us as new covenant believers is that we go into all the world, that we accept the call of God, Jesus, I will be your disciple, I will be your follower, I will follow you to the ends of the earth, I will do whatever it is you want me to do. And so then Jesus says, good, now go. Go into all the world and become fishers of men. Here's the thing about fishing, all right? Some people fish with nets and some people fish with hooks, right? Some people fish with nets and some people fish with hooks. So let's talk about this for a second, with nets. You see, there are, um, there are times when we are committed to the church, we have the opportunity to do some organized outreach when it's going to be like throwing nets, right? All right? It's going to be like throwing nets. And so we have an opportunity coming up ahead of us and in the month of, in, in this month, the month of October with the Harvest Fest, all right, where it's going to be like throwing nets. We're all going to be working the net together, trying to, to present something, to bring somebody, put people in so that we can connect with them, so that we can try to pull them in, so that we can try to impact them, so that we can try to minister to them, so that we can try to help them in, in many different ways, all right? So sometimes fishing is going to be like fishing with where we're all going to have to work together. Now, there are times where you have some guys that fish with, 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 with a cast net with throws, and they catch smaller bait, and those kinds of things can happen. 
but you know when you work a a a, a big net like a seine net or something like that then you it, it takes multiple people it's not just a one person type show but there are going to be opportunities that we're going to have when we are committed to the church or whatever church it is that you're committed to there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved and to say you know what I'm going to jump in and I'm going to do my part because I want to grab a hold of the net and I want to help pull the net in so that we could try to reach some people for Jesus because God has called me to be a fisher of men sometimes we have we have opportunities to fish with nets when you can maybe get a lot of people and pull a lot of people in. And sometimes we have the opportunities to fish with hooks, right? When you fish with a hook, you don't generally catch mass quantities most of the time. It usually happens one by one, right? So when, when, we, when we fulfill the call of God, the lifestyle of God to being a fisherman, there's going to be times where we have the opportunities to fish with nets, and there's going to be times where we have the opportunity to fish with hooks. Okay? Either one of them, it, both of them are effective, but generally don't happen at the same time. You ever tried to fish in the same place you're trying to use a net? A fish with a hook at the same time you're trying to use a net? Okay? Usually can get kind of messy. Right? You'll end up spending the next 30, 45 minutes untangling a net and a hook. Right? Um, so they, they, there's something that we are all called to do, all right? But it, different situations require different things. And hooks, you know, sometimes can take a little bit longer. It takes a little time for you to work that bait, right? If you've ever been a pretty good fisherman before, sometimes when the fish isn't hungry, you get bait a little bit harder, okay? There are times, like I know, like the, when I went down to Florida this past week, we didn't catch a ton of stuff. We caught a few but man, I'm telling you what, my arm and my shoulder from jerking that thing and reeling it in and jerking, and it's like this over and over again. This is like this for like hours. This is what I'm doing for hours. Jerk, jerk, cast, jerk, 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 cast, jerk, jerk. And I'm doing, and this is the motion. And I'm telling you what, man, by the first day my arm, because I don't, I don't do it as much as I used to, right? My whole arm and shoulder are sore. I'm like, I can't do it anymore, you know? But I'm doing it trying to catch that, that, you know, and, and every now and then, I'll be pulling that thing along, and one will come up and hit it, all right? So, it's, you know, fishing with hooks is completely different than fishing with a net, and you've got to be able to work it. You've got to be able to go out there. You've got, you got to know what you're, you know, and, and here's the thing about fishing with hooks. Like, you've got to know what you're fishing for, okay? You've got to know what you're fishing for. You can't throw the wrong bait for something that is the wrong thing, right? I mean, if you're going to fish for, you know, for example, like if you're going to fish for a Spanish mackerel, you can't throw a crab out there as bait. They're not going to bite it. But if you're fishing for a black drum, you can't throw like, you know, a, a shiner out there, which is a little minnow, okay? Because he's not going to bite it. He wants to eat the crab. So you got to know what it is that you're, you know, you know what it is that they're looking for. You got to know what it is that, it, and listen, this takes a little bit on your part, a little bit of studying, understanding the people that you're around, understanding the people that you're with. Like, hey, you know, some people, you know, hellfire and brimstone's not going to work. And some people, the love of God's not going to work. Okay, some people you, you, some people need you know a little bit of coaching and a little bit of you know they need a little bit more relationship. They need a little bit. Some people need you to like tell them like, hey man, come on, I'm gonna come pick you up. You know, this some people you do that they be like, oh my gosh, you know, there are crazy people coming after me. 
You, you have to know what it is that you're looking for. When you go fish with hooks, you go after those people one by one. Okay, God has called us all to be fisher of men. There are times where we can fish with nets, and there's going to be times we're going to be fishing with hooks, but it doesn't really matter. You still got to be a fisherman. Um, one of the things that we see in, um, in this, the occupation of being a fisherman in the Bible is we see there are a couple of things that these things they, they did for people. Number one, the occupation itself made men fearless. They, they had to be fearless. The reason why they had to be fearless is, is because of the, um, the inclement weather that they could deal with. You, you've heard you know, numerous stories about the disciples, how they would get in the boat, and once they were in the boat, the storm would come upon the waters, and it would, um, you know, so much so that they all thought they were going to die. It's, it's not like we have today. Things were just different then, and so... Um, you know, uh, some strong inclement weather could create significant issues. They even had these things um, that were like um, these northeastern winds that would, um, you know, because there were two mountain ranges next to the Sea of Galilee, um, there was this certain times of the year, there was this wind that would come gusting through these mountain ranges, and it would hit, it would hit the sea um, and create such violent waves that it actually, you know, would, would create difficulty for people out on the water. It's the reason why, um, you know, when we see scripture and we see that the Bible says that they, uh, a, so a storm suddenly came upon them. Well, it's like, how does that happen, right? Usually you see the storm coming from a long ways away, especially on your water. I mean, it's just everything's flat and you can see for a long way. Um, these northeastern winds would come and hit the waters uh, in a split moment. So they were, they were, they were you know, they, these guys had to be fearless in their ability to go out and to pursue these things. It created a sense of fearlessness inside of them. And, and, and it, we have to have the same fearlessness when it comes to, because I know one of the problems with fishing for men is worried, is being worried about what they think about you. Like, well, what are they going to say? What are they going to think about me? Are they going to, you know, laugh at me? Are they going to, you know, are they going to call me, you know, you know they, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of intimidation that we deal with in our life because of people when it comes to fishing. But we know this, that the scripture says that God has not given us a spirit of timidity but of power, love, and sound mind. So God has not given us that spirit of fear that would cause us to shrink back, but God has given us a boldness. It's one of the things that we see that the Holy Spirit does when he comes upon us, that, they, that, that these 12 disciples that were afraid to follow Jesus to the cross all of a sudden became world changers because the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they, got to be, they were bold. They were fearless. So we have to have a sense of fearlessness in us about us. Um, there are also one of the things that we see in, in, in these guys and understanding, you know, what prepared them for the life that Jesus wanted them to live. They, there was this fearlessness that was inside of them and also the occupation that they had made them patient when there were no results. Okay? And as I stated before, there's a bunch of people in here that we like catching, we just don't like fishing. Okay? There's, you know, I, I would imagine almost all of us in here probably like catching but um, not very many of us like fishing. You know, for me, I can go out on, you know, a boat or a pier. I can fish all day and not catch anything and still feel like I have a good time. Okay? For some of you, it's like 15 minutes, and we ain't caught nothing. Like, hey, man, I, I got better things to do with my life. I'm, I'm out. See ya. Okay? And I certainly understand that perspective, 
But like when you, when you love it, you love it. And this is the thing with them. You know, they, they, would, they would talk about with Jesus like, hey, we fished all night and we didn't catch. Well, you know, you don't fish all night unless like <clears throat> you're really patient with it, right? You're really patient with what you're doing. And that's the thing is you have to, you have to be patient. And this is the way it is sometimes as it relates to our ability to, to reach other people. Sometimes we get impatient. Well, they're not changing. They're not listening to me. I've invited them 15 times to come to church, right? And they haven't come. You know, it doesn't matter, okay? You still cast a lot, okay? It doesn't, I don't, I don't cast a line 10 times be like, dadgummit, no fish, hit it, I'm done, I'm out of here. No, I'm going to keep casting. I'm going to keep casting until something bites. I'm going to keep casting until I catch, or I got to go. I'm going to keep casting that line because I'm a fisherman, and I know that to be a good fisherman, okay, you've got to keep casting the line. I think one of the things that happened over this, you know, those couple days, and this happens all the time, I've seen this happen all, like, you won't ever catch it. Your line's not in the water. I know that that's crazy, but I want you to think about it. You, you won't ever catch any fish if your line's not in the water. All right? And here, here's the thing that you experience, because things will get slow sometimes when you fish. Not sometimes, but a lot of times things get slow. Fish aren't biting. All right? And then what happens is you got, you got 10 people just kind of leaning up against the rail at the pier with the pole sitting down just watching the waters. All right? They're not going to catch. Look, there is a... There is a hundred percent chance that you won't catch anything if your line's not in the water. It just won't happen, right? And this is the way that, 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 that it would work. And I even saw that it was funny because it even happened this, you know, a couple weeks ago when I was down in Florida because fishing was slow and that's kind of the way it works is, um, but I, I, would, I would fish anyways. Like I'm just like, I'm a, like, I'm a hundred percent all the time, you know? So I'm like in it, I'm fishing, 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 nothing's biting. We're going like 45 minutes, nothing's biting. I'm still out there wearing that thing out. You know, I got, you know, there's like seven or eight people standing around just leaning, you know, talking, not doing anything, just watching the waters, right? All of a sudden something hits, I catch one, peel it, reel it in. Everybody's like, oh my gosh, throwing out, okay? But I just caught the only one that wanted to hit at that time, right? They don't catch nothing, nobody catches nothing for another 45 minutes. I'm really like, boom, catch, hook another one. They're like, everybody throwing out. Nobody gets nothing. All right, this is what they do. And this is how it is sometimes with us, too. Like, we have to understand that, like, if your line's not in the water, you're not going to catch nothing. Okay? So, you you know, if you're not trying, you're not going to catch nothing. If you're not making an effort to try to reach somebody, you for sure aren't going to catch nothing. You say, well, what if nobody bites? Well, so what? Throw the line again. What if nobody bites 50 times in a row? So what? Throw the line again. Because I promise when the one does, the one will be worth it all. Right? Okay? Because the moments in my life when I catch the fish and bring them in, I'm not thinking about the 25 times I threw out and didn't catch nothing. The only thing I'm thinking about is, yes, I got one. One. I'll take the one. Because one's better than none. Okay? You've got to have your line in the water. Okay? You've got to have your line in the water. You've got to be making an effort. Sometimes you can have multiple lines, right? Just put on, I got, I got five people here. I'm going to throw some line out there. I'm gonna, I, and so what does that look like? What does it look like to throw your line out there? What does it look like to, to, to throw the hook? What it, what it looks like this, and, and we used to call this chasing, all right? Where, where you would chase somebody. You would pursue them. You would go after them. You, would, you, see, you see, Jesus was, was a friend of sinners, 
right? But he wasn't like a buddy-buddy with sinners. So yes, he would go to their house and eat, but he didn't spend most of his time with those people, all right? Not that they were bad people, all right? And they just needed, they needed grace, they needed forgiveness, they needed the love of God. He didn't spend all this, where did he spend most of his time? He spent most of his time with the disciples, all right? Now, he didn't say, whoa, the rest of the world, you, you guys got sin, well, stay away from me. <laughs> no, don't get on, okay? He didn't do that, no. The world to recognize that there were worldly people around him. He didn't walk around trying to make sinners become righteous people, like, hey, you need to straighten up. No, he, he walked around and said, hey, there's a love that is greater than anything you've ever experienced, and if you will embrace it, and, and the forgiveness and the love of God. Listen, he impacted people because he was in their life, but he spent most of his time Okay, around worldly people, but Jesus invested in people. He connected with people. And if you want to throw your line out, you can, listen, Jesus was, friend with a, was friends with a purpose, is what he did. He said, I recognize this person right here as being somebody that doesn't know Jesus. They're lost, they're helpless, they need Jesus. I'm going to become a friend with this person with the purpose of reaching them for Jesus. Every time Jesus be, was a friend of a sinner, there was a purpose behind it. He wasn't just like, oh, hey, I think I'll go hang out with these guys today. No, there was a purpose to, to advance the kingdom of God. And how you throw your line out, okay, is that you, you, you find people and you become friends with the purpose. Like, I'm going to create, look, I'm going to build a bridge from my heart to their heart. I'm going to connect to them relationally. And one day, Jesus will walk across that bridge. All right, that's fishing, okay? You connect, you connect, connect, and you pull them in, okay? You connect, you connect, you connect, you pull them in. And God has called all of us, listen, to be fishers of men. Like, we have to be fishers of men. There's going to be opportunities that we have, like what's coming up with our outreach, to, to, to circle the nets, to all join in together, to do this community thing, to out. Listen, you know, when, when we're doing this community outreach, Okay? There's nothing that, that, that says that you can't witness to somebody. There's nothing that says that you can't, like, say, hey, we would love to see you on Sunday morning, introduce you and your family and, you, you know, everybody, you know, and, and invite them in. Right? We all have that opportunity. We all have those moments, right? There's times where we're going to be using nets and we want to pull them in. And there's times where God wants you to use a hook and he's placed people in your life for a reason, okay, so that you can have an impact on their life so that one day Jesus can walk across your heart to theirs, okay, and you can see a powerful moment happen in the kingdom of God. But we are all called, every single one of us, okay, Jesus said, come follow me, okay, you said, I'll follow you, and Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Following Jesus is not about coming to church on Sunday morning, getting into cool programs, doing stuff like that. Following Jesus, okay, is about learning his plans, his desires, his purposes for our life, fulfilling those things, okay, and advancing the kingdom of God in our world and pushing back the gates of hell and bringing people in, okay? God is not willing that any should perish, and neither should we, okay? Neither should we. We should have a passion to reach people for the name of Jesus. Listen, let me have you stand to your feet this morning.